Well, good morning, good morning. So good to see so many of you here this morning. What a full house we have. Thankful that you all are here, especially if you are a guest with us this morning. Welcome to you. And if you are joining with us online, so thankful to have you with us as well. Well, I would ask you to go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 1. We will be looking at verses 18 through 26. 18 through 26. I have much to cover today in a, uh, a big sermon, and I was... Uh, I told Heather, pray for me. I have so much as I always do. And she said, sweetheart, you always preach an excellent sermon. And then you get to point two. So <laughs> prayerfully, I can get through it, uh, all of this. Well, while you're turning there, two very quick announcements. There will be a business meeting right after service today. We'll take a quick break uh, and then come back in. We have some important things to discuss, including a couple of new positions here at the church. And also, you'll notice in your bulletin that there is a women's Bible study that's going to start on March 2nd. So ladies, uh, look at that information. There's a sign-up sheet in the back. You can also sign up online. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, Heather's going to be teaching at this time around, but our ladies are coming together with some awesome things. So uh, you all want to be a part of that. Well, let me first start by saying thank you all so much for your prayers and how you've reached out to me uh, and my dad and my mom as he went through the surgery, and they also wanted to share their praise and thanks to you all for your prayers. Dad came through his knee surgery uh, with flying colors. Uh, we had a small scare on uh, Friday that he may had a blood clot. He has Superman blood. It clots if you just look at it sideways. And every surgery he's had, he's had to face blood clots. And so they said, well, it looks like you have another one. And uh, we were worried he wouldn't be able to go home on Friday, but you all prayed him through. Hundreds of prayers uh, went up and he made it home. Uh, not only that, but they said that he is uh, excelling above normal uh, as far as where he is uh, at present. Although, uh, I did get a text message from mom. He's a little bit miserable today, leg propped up, uh, not bending it much. Um, so continue to pray for him. But thank you. Your prayers carried him through, and prayer is so important. And we're going to be covering that as we move through today. Well, it's interesting with my family, especially in times like this when there is surgery, the topic of death is brought up. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, a very important topic for us as Christians, death. And so it's a common subject with my parents. I've grown up with them talking about death all the time. Very practical people, maybe because dad was a Navy man. But in situations like this with the uh, surgery, they, they want me to know, all right, if dad dies, this is what we're going to do. This is how this is going to happen. Here's where you can find the keys. This is where the will is. If they go on a trip and they run through the whole gamut, it does not matter. Mom and dad share and talk about death. It's a common topic in that household. I've grown up that way. And so, in a sense, I'm very prepared for mom and dad to die. But we need to talk about what it is, when, about the spiritual reality of our death, not just preparing our families for, here's how you find the keys to the house when it's all said and done. I was sharing my thoughts on this sermon with my mom uh, this past week. We got a, a wonderful time just to spend so much time together. And she was sharing the moment when my grandfather died. My grandfather, Dr. Carl Bates, was pastor of First Baptist Charlotte for many years, and I called him Granny Carl. That's how I knew him. Well, when Granny Carl died, he was the lead up to that. He had a lung cancer that had spread all over his body, a bladder cancer that spread all over his body. In the last days, Mom was sitting with him, and he was very quiet, not much. His energy was waning. She said, 
He was sitting in one of his wing-back chairs, and she was sitting in the room with him, and he had been quiet for a very long time. And then suddenly, with whatever energy he had left, he reached up heavenward and looked up, and he said these words, and I, I wanted to get them right. Sir, may I have permission to bury this man? He's crying out to his heavenly Father. May I have permission to bury this man? He was ready to be with Jesus. He would die shortly after that. He pushed my mom out of the room, and he went to be with his Savior. And so we need to think about death. This topic is close to my heart, and I want to speak from my heart this morning. I've been looking forward to coming to this particular Verse. And the reason why is this, oh church, I've seen that so many in the church are not prepared for death. And I don't mean that like I was saying before with here are the keys, here's the will, here's the inheritance. No, I mean from a standpoint of death will happen. And I don't even necessarily mean from a salvation standpoint. My prayer is, is if you know Jesus, you shared with your family that you know Jesus. I mean purely that death will come. And we must be prepared for that death. And I know that death is a morbid topic. And oftentimes we think this is a topic we should avoid. We should not talk about our death. But for the Christian, death is something we should talk about about. And death is something that we need to have a right relationship with. The reason why is this. The fear of death causes us to shrink back and avoid doing the things God has commanded us to do. If we live in fear of what will occur to us in death, then we will live in fear of life. And what's interesting, as you examine the New Testament authors, death is a subject that they speak freely about. Paul most speaks about death, and he is not afraid of death. And he wants his readers to have that right relationship with death. And today, we come to one of the most familiar and beautiful passages about death in all of Scripture. And as we approach it, I have titled today's sermon, Living Well and Dying Well in Jesus. So if you have found Philippians 1, verses 18 through 26, and you are able, will you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? So that you know, I'm going to start in the second part of verse 18 and push all the way down to verse 26. It says this, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. 
and I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Let's pray. Mighty Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be gathered in your house. And, oh, Father, as we speak on this topic of death, Father, I pray your spirit would fall in this place, that you would open hearts and minds and ears to stare at death. Father, as the believer, you have assured us death no longer has sting, and it is a place of rejoicing. Father, I pray we hear it so that we may live well and die well in Jesus. Father, oh, Father, I need you to speak. Move me out of the way so that these words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Father, I pray this in the sweet name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we approach the text today, you will notice from 18 to 26, everything kind of orbits around verse 21. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And in fact, in the Greek, it's much more clipped, but still forceful and powerful. He says, to live Christ, to die gain. And it's this exclamation that we're going to be looking at. And you can see the reason why he says those words is coming from the tail end of verse 20, because he desires that no matter what occurs to him, whether he lives or whether he dies, whether he is set free or put to death in prison, that he would honor Jesus Christ in his body. And so what I want to do as we move through this text is usually I just go verse by verse, but I want to kind of go by the way Paul is emphasizing things. So what I want to do is this. My first point that I want to look at is dying well in Jesus. Dying well in Jesus. Again, verse 21. And to die is gain. See, the question for all of us, for every believer, should be this. How is death gain? See, when you, we talk about death, we use the language of loss, not gain. When we speak of that someone has died, we say that family has lost that individual, that those who are left are suffering loss. And it is rightfully so that we speak that way. It is a true loss for those who remain. But I'm afraid what happens is that that language of loss begins to permeate our individual hearts so that we do not see death as gain. How often is it that you are discussing with your families about how your death will be gain in Christ? I say that in this way. One of the most important things I can do as both a husband and as a father is to share with my bride and to share with my daughter 
the realities of my death and to share with them the beautiful reality of my death so that they have every confidence knowing that no matter the death that comes, that I have gained. And so that they too will be at peace. It will be loss if I go first for them, but it will be short. Life is but a vapor. And if they know the gain that I have and they entrust Jesus that they too will gain at their death, then we have all gained and they will be with me before Jesus Christ for all eternity. And so if I can ingrain that in my beautiful wife, and if I can ingrain that in that sweet daughter, as they grow up, as she grows up, as she gets married, as she has kids, she can share whatever my papa name will be. He has gained in his death. But we should not avoid that topic. And I know Ella was sharing with me between services that as I preached this in the 8.30, Heather was texting her with the, the, the vomit emoji throughout the whole time I was talking about my death. We don't like this topic, but it's the best thing we can do. See, my hopeful prayer in the way that I share with my family, in the way that I share with you, in the way that we should all be thinking is to have the same prayer that Paul does is that we may magnify Christ in our deaths. We need to die well. Now, what I don't mean by this is that every death is not a good thing in the sense of the physical nature. Not everyone dies peacefully. Some die suffering. And not just suffering for a short time, suffering for many years. What I mean when I say to die well is that we do not approach that death with fear, but we embrace it for the gain that it is. And so I ask again, O oh church, how is death gain? Well, death is gain in this way. It is gain because it leads us into a union with Jesus Christ. See, Paul is always talking about, and you hear it in the language of Philippians constantly, that he is in Christ. And he says, our living, the goal of our living is to be in Christ. And the reason why he says death is gain is that while we are on this earth, we continue to reach out and hold fast to Jesus. But upon death, the veil is parted. And we are with him in all the fullness that we have sought for every day of our life. So this is the gain. We chase after Jesus all of our days, embracing him. And then when we die, we have gained him in all of his fullness. This is the goal of our living. He says so later in Philippians. Philippians 3.14, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So this is how death is gained, perfect union with Jesus. And if we understand that, we can then understand what he says about the proper pull of life and death. You notice here in verses 22 and following, he speaks of this pull that happens when it comes to life and death. He says, now if I live on the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. 
I am torn between the two. This is the proper pool of life and death. He's torn. The reason why he is torn is he sees both outcomes as favorable. If I die, gain. If I live, Christ. These are favorable options, and I don't know which one I would choose. But he does say the best, of course, is death and to be with Jesus. But life means the pursuit of him. And so as we understand that proper pool of life and death, we also understand we don't willfully give up this life. We recognize gain when we die, but we recognize every breath that he gives us is pursuit of him. So death, O oh church, is something that we as believers can embrace and not fear. And I encourage you all to begin speaking in your families this way. See, so often we have a wrong relationship with death because we have a wrong relationship with life. I'll say that again. So often we have a wrong relationship with death because we have a wrong relationship with life. And that leads me to my second point, living well in Jesus. Living well in Jesus. Again, verse 21, for me to live is Christ. And certainly living in Christ is the major focus of Paul's letters, is the major focus of Philippians. And he spends so much time talking about living well in Christ. And so when we think of this, the immediate context, we see something from it. Living well in Jesus is having a focus on fruitfulness in others. That's the first thing he shows us. Living well in Jesus is having a focus on fruitfulness in others. Look again with me at, at the first part of 22 and then continuing in 24 and 26. He says, now if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. Now 24 and 26. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. You notice the language that keeps repeating in all of that, your, your, your. See, the first part of living well in Jesus is living for others that they in their lives would magnify Christ. He starts by saying this is fruitful work for me fruitful ministry, a focus on others and their relationship with Jesus. Again, he says, I focus on your progress in the faith. That progress in the faith is holding on to our faith in Christ until the end. So he wants to focus on that. I see my end, but I want to focus on your end so that you magnify Jesus all the way to the finish line. He says so in 2 Timothy 4. There again, he's speaking of his imminent death. And in verses 6 and 7, this is what he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. See, Paul wants that for others, to live in Christ is to see others embrace faith in Christ. He goes on, he says, I also want to see your joy in that faith. 
So not only do you pursue and progress in that faith, but I want you to have that same joy that I have. So if the end comes, you're not scared. And then he finishes by saying, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. This is his focus, his fruitful ministry, why living in Christ is so beneficial because it helps others magnify Jesus in their life. And so the same for us as we live well in Jesus is focusing on others so that they live well in Jesus, so that they progress in their faith, so that they would be like Paul and seeking that Christ would be honored in their bodies. So living well in Jesus is seeing others magnify Christ. But if we step forward in Philippians, we see another thing that Paul says about living well in Jesus. It's this. Living well in Jesus is setting aside earthly gain for heavenly gain. Living well in Jesus is setting aside earthly gain for heavenly gain. There's another portion of Philippians where we see that word gain pop up, just like we do in 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The same exact word is in Philippians 3, 7 and 8, if you'd like to turn there. Listen to what he says in Philippians 3, 7, and 8. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to, uh, considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. We need to set aside earthly gain in favor of heavenly gain, tossing all things aside for Jesus. What he's talking about there is his former life prior to Jesus Christ, how he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, how he was a man of importance, how he had authority and a commanding presence, how he had such knowledge of the Scriptures, and how he was a legalist. And he's saying all of that, everything that in my eyes made me proud and made me tall, he says, I toss it all away. It's all dung because it is of this earth and it was focused on me. And I get rid of it for the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ. What does he mean by knowing Jesus Christ? I would give up this whole world if I could gain Jesus is what he is saying and we need to do the same. Let us not be intertwined with the things of this world. Let us throw them away in favor of gaining Christ. Jesus himself says this in Matthew 16, 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the same word, if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? That man has lost everything. Paul says, toss the earth away. And the gain that the world wants you to have, consider it dung. Jesus says, you could have it all, and it would be the greatest loss in your life. That carries to the last thing I want to share with living well. It's the opposite of living well. It's living poorly. Living poorly makes us enemies of the cross. The same thought carrying forward of embracing the world. If we focus on our life and the things of this earth, we are in danger of becoming enemies of the cross. 
Philippians 3, again, 18 and 19. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. And they are focused on earthly things. With tears he proclaims this. O church, let us be ever careful in our lives that we do not embrace this world, lest we find ourselves becoming an enemy of the cross. Paul tells us this is the gain of an enemy of the cross. Their gain is shame. Their gain is their appetite. And their gain is destruction. This is living poorly. James 4.4 echoes this. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? We must give up this world to live well. So summarizing what it is to live well in Jesus, in order for us to die well, we must first live well. Does that make sense, church? In order for us to die well, we must live well. A focus on the ministry of others. A focus on embracing Jesus Christ. A focus on Him and not this world. Now the last thing I want to bring up is this. We've seen what it is to die well in Jesus. We've seen what it is to live well in Jesus. Now we need to see what the power to live well and die well in Jesus is. That's the third point, the power to live well and die well. Go back to verses 19 20. Philippians 1, 19 and 20. It says, Because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. I want to sum up what he's saying here. Living and dying well in Jesus requires prayer-saturated, spirit-filled courage. Living and dying well in Jesus requires prayer-saturated, spirit-filled courage. See, what he's saying here to the Philippians is he knows that his trial is coming up. And in one moment, he's going to stand before Caesar. But what Paul cannot see is what is the result of that. He's saying, will this be the last opportunity I have in life to speak well of Jesus? Will this be my last time? And when I stand before one of the most powerful men on the planet, will I shrink back or will I stand firm? As I come up to this moment, what I do not know is that out of that last moment, will I be heading to a place of torture and gruesome death, or will I be heading to a place of freedom from these chains? Will it be death, or will it be life? And so what he says to the congregation of Philippi is this. I do not wish to be ashamed in that moment. I do not wish to falter in that last moment. So church, pray. Verse 19, he says, through your prayers. Through your prayers. See, prayer accomplishes 
much. I shared with you the beginning of this sermon. We felt your prayers while dad was in the hospital. It sustained us. It sustained him. And by God's grace, he went home. Prayer accomplishes much. And so we as a church need to pray for one another that we would live well and die well in Jesus. That needs to be a new way we pray. Thank God we pray for healing in each other's life. But another thought we need to have in the midst of all of this, even if someone is going to the hospital in a dangerous situation, is, oh Lord, give them courage to die well if this is that moment. And if it's not, oh Lord, give them courage to live well. We need to pray for that for one another. Oh, church, let us pray that we would live well and die well in Jesus. So he says, not only is it prayer, it is Holy Spirit filling. He said, it is your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit fills his people. And by his power can we stand in the final moments of our life. He says, so that I may have courage. He expects the courage to come. He expects it because he knows the church will pray and he knows Jesus Christ will fill him. But he does not want to be ashamed. He does not want to trip up in the last moment. Again, as I was sharing this thoughts of this sermon with my mom over this past week. She so wisely said this, as she is becoming older in years, she said, son, it's, it's not the before and it's not the dying that I worry, it's the in-between, between here and there. And what will it be like? And how hard it may be to die. Now, my mom is as rich theologically as any person you meet. And she is in a place in her life where she can look and say, the end is closer than the beginning. And she says, and that's the prayer for courage that I desire in my own life. I do not know what death I may have. It may be simple. I go to sleep and I wake up in the presence of Jesus. And it may be hard. She has MS. And every time one of those things that happens, the, the, the attacks that MS does, she loses something more. And it may not be pretty. And she wants prayer for courage in that moment. And we all need to pray for that. Pray for one another. Pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit so that we can have courage to die well in Jesus Christ. So the final thing I want to say is that to live and to die well, we need to pray for one another. We need the Holy Spirit to be with us to grant us courage to both live and die well in Jesus Christ so that what Paul says, that though we live or though we die, Christ is magnified in our bodies. Church, this is living well. 
and dying well in Jesus. As we come to a close, I want you all to prayerfully consider what you have heard. I want to encourage you as your pastor, if you have not spoken about death in your house, it is not a morbid topic if you are a Christian. Speak of the gain you will have so your children know it, so that your grandchildren know it. And so when you die, they will embrace, oh, death, where is your sting? Because it didn't sting my grandmother. It did not sting my grandfather. It did not sting my husband. It did not sting my wife. It did not sting my child. Because they are in Jesus Christ and they have gained. And then the scripture will be fulfilled that says, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. Because we have hope in Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the dead. And so death is gain. Speak of it. Embrace it in Jesus Christ so that your family knows. And so like me, you may have an experience of a grandparent, in my case, who I grieved his loss. And oh, I wish he were here today so that I could talk to him about preaching and say, oh, Granny Carl, tell me what I need to do. What am I doing wrong? What do I need to do better? Oh, but I would not wish him one more moment here. Oh, it was great gain when heaven received that saint. May it be for all of you as well. But I do say this as we close. You heard what Paul said. There are many. There are many who have embraced just gaining in this world, and their final gain is destruction. He says, with tears I speak this. Because apart from Jesus Christ, death is awful. And if you do not know Jesus today, do not delay. See him and the inheritance he gives and the joy that he gives in death. Confess your sins. Claim him as Savior. And death will have no sting for you. And destruction will not be what you gain. Instead, you will have an inheritance of eternal life in Jesus Christ. If that's you today, we're going to sing. I pray we're going to sing. You come forward. You come see me. Afterwards, come see me. If you're online, you see a link there. Hit that link and say, I've accepted Jesus, and so I can reach out to you. There's time. There's time. And I want to share the good news with you. Maybe today you'd like to join this church. Come forward. Let me know. If you'd like to pray, the altar is going to be open. But we're going to sing and be dismissed. And just one last reminder we do, for those of you who are members, hang around as we have that business meeting. Let's pray. Almighty Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this hour and this moment. Father, thank you that death is done. I know so many grieve the loss of a family member. This pandemic has thrown in our face death time and time again, but, oh, Father, you have conquered it in Jesus Christ. And, Lord, I pray that in the hearts and the minds of your people, that they would embrace death as gain because of Jesus Christ. And, Father, the relationship they have in death 
mirrors the relationship they have in life as they chase after Jesus in all faith and make him the goal of their living. Oh, Father, strengthen us all in this way. Fill us with your spirit. So whether we live or whether we die, in our bodies we would honor you. Father, I pray this in the powerful and strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand as we sing.